Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, and a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and just like Moon Knight, I too have an Egyptian god calling me an idiot. Ah, so you've been watching Moon Knight, I see. <laughs> I got I got into it last night. It's it's weird, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And I'm sorry, who are you again? Uh, I am weird. <laughs> I'm DT Cavman, and I do appreciate the weirdness. <laughs> yeah, I'm liking Moon Knight so far. Um, I, I haven't finished episode two, but I've watched most of it, and it's a nice mind freak. Oh, God, it's trippy. It is. And uh, you know what? A lot of the people that I I, I follow on um, you know those nerd sites and stuff, a lot of them are hating on it. I don't know why. Like I don't listen to what they're saying, but the titles of their 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 thing are like very negative. Mm. So, but I I mean I like it. I like it. So I, I'd like to do a review on it when the season's done. But. You know, that's up to both of us. <laughs> we can't we can't be unilateral in this show. No, I, I'm, I'm game to do that. You know, it's not. It's not uh, actually something I was going to suggest because uh, this yeah. one is a fucking trip. <laughs> it's really. definitely not anything we've seen in in the MCU before. And that says a lot, by the way. We've seen a lot of shit in the MCU. <laughs> oh, I know. So, anyway. Uh, what's new with you, DT? Anything special? <sighs> Just working, honestly. How's the house, How's the house settling in? Cavernous? Nice. Uh, less, since there's some furniture here. But when everybody yeah. gets settled, it'll be good. You have the TV and cable set up yet? Yes. Oh, thank God. It's not home until that happens. I know, right? <laughs> it really isn't. You got the power on, the heat on, but God forbid. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we are here to discuss a topic that I came up with. Oh, yeah. So, we're doing... Um... Best goatees in sci-fi, aren't we? Oh. Oh, God. Um, that would be one to talk about. Gosh, there's a style of goatee that they call the... Van- the not the Vandalay. Oh, God, it, it, it escapes me. I was reading about it in the latest David Sedaris book. Yes, the Van Dyke. Oh, my God, there are so many different styles of that. And I was not going for a Van Dyke, but apparently I have something close to one. But I guess, like, the signature is to not have the mustache touch the beard. Yeah, well, some of us, that was a problem. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons why I couldn't, even when I would attempt to grow it, it took a long time for it to connect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. 
So, yeah, I learned about the Van Dyke style, and, you know, apparently Pierce Brosnan can really rock one. Well, I mean, he was James Bond. Man of a thousand faces, but one name only. Well, two, actually. Bond, James Bond, 007. Right? I mean, he he had two names. Three, really. James? Bond. James Bond. Yeah. Well, then he had the call sign. Double mm-hmm. O seven. Or Mister. Did they ever say Double O seven? Did Did Blowfield ever like confront him and go, "Well, well, well, Double O seven? As he uh, strokes I, his cat. I don't know. I'm not the most um, in depth knowledge of James <laughs> Bond. Uh, you know, I'll catch them in passing, but. It's not that I didn't enjoy them when I seen them. It's just they aren't generally on the top of the list of things I go to see. No. The Sean Connery ones, I remember being good watches. Then the 70s ones were just campy. And the early 80s ones just, I think pretty much most of the 80s ones were just horrible. Yeah. And then they they revitalized it with Pierce Brosnan and Goldeneye. Well, Goldeneye was really good. Uh, I never saw it. (laughs) Goldeneye was good. You know the first one that I saw? The world was not enough. (laughs) It was so bad. It was so bad. Mm. I mean, Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist named Christmas... Yep, I uh, I watched that. Me and uh, me and some college <laughs> buddies went to that. It was ridiculous. Although I will say, uh, what was the last one he did? Tomorrow Never Dies. Maybe the the North Korean one. I said maybe. I don't know. Oh, well, it's it's either that or Die Another Day. Mm. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. All right. Well, we're here to discuss an interesting topic. We're actually not here to discuss about sci-fi shows at all today. We are here to discuss non-sci-fi shows with typically normal premises that actually have episodes with sci-fi elements to them or a full-on sci-fi episode. Fair enough. So I want to lay down a couple ground rules here. Um, We can talk about them, but episodes where it was a dream sequence do not count. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. Right. We're we're talking it actually happened. It's actual canon. It occurred. Gotcha. And but we can still talk about them under honorable mentions. Ramp it back. I'm just saying, listen, I, I've had a lot of caffeine tonight and it's only 715 here. So I understand you had a long day. All right. What's the, uh, what's the next rule? Um, there are no rules. That's really the biggest one, biggest and only one. (laughs) So, um, I'm just looking. Okay. I'll have to say. I just realized that one of mine will probably have to fall under an honorable mention. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Anyway, 
do you uh, do you want to start first, or do you want me to start and get the get the flavor going? You go ahead. Okay. So, I'm gonna bring this to the way back. Happy days. Happy okay. days. Okay, I think I see where you're going with this. <laughs> Wasn't it an actual dream sequence? No, it was not, because he returned. No, I, I I think you need to do some research on that. I think it was an actual dream. Re- are you sure? Uh, it's been a few years since I last saw it. I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. Was Mork a dream? Well, anyway, Mork appears in Happy Days and has a duel with uh, the Fonz at the at the the restaurant. Arnold's or something, right? Or at Arnold's, I think it is. Yeah. Mark a dream sequence in Happy Days. Oh, this was the entire basis of my entire <laughs> subject here. <laughs> nanu, nanu. Gary Marshall on Happy Days. Uh oh. All right, folks. I think we just ended the episode. Yeah. I can't. You know what? It's not saying. Top 10. I don't know. The problem was I couldn't find the damn episode on, on Happy Days. Do you know how many episodes they have from there? Let's see. After a highly successful episode of Happy Days, it starred. Who comes to Earth? Yeah, see, they made a whole other spin-off of Mork because of that episode. So I I mean I I find it weird that they would make it off of a dream sequence. Let's see. Happy Days, my favorite Orkin. Here we go. Twenty second episode of the fifth season. During the shark jumping season. <laughs> when Richie tries well. to stop Mork from taking Fonzie, he suddenly wakes up on the family couch. It was just a dream. Son of a bitch. But he comes back. Again, when the doorbell rings, Richie answers it. At the door is a man who resembles Mork, except he's speaking with a southern accent and merely asking for directions. In an ending shot for the summer of 1978 rerun, it turns out the man really is Mork. And he made it seem like the entire event was a dream. Boom. There we go. The events to a superior Orson who assigns him to modern day 1978, leading up to the events of Mork and Mindy. This ending now airs in syndication. But they retconned it to be part of canon. Yes. They did. So it's so a little it still a counts. Column a, a little column B. It still technically counts. I fell bass backwards into it. I'm not saying it was a. I'm not saying. I stuck the landing, but first, it wasn't perfect. First, <laughs> you must admit your mistake. I did. And admit your great shame. I have so much shame. Okay. All the shame are. in the world. Then there we are. Yeah. <laughs> but think about that. They decided to bring an alien into this this setting of 1950s Milwaukee. Well, don't forget this was towards uh, this was running on towards one of the end towards the later seasons where things started to get wild and crazy. Right, where Fonzie jumped the shark and everything. I get yes. it. Have you ever seen that episode? That not the shark, but the Mork episode. I have seen the Mork episode. The audience is just losing their shit. They freaking loved it. It was 
and it was it was pretty goddamn hilarious. Well, I mean, it was Robin Williams going full Robin Williams, and the Fonz somehow <laughs> holding full the full on the Fonz <laughs> going yeah, toe to toe. The full on <laughs> Fonz is still not up to par as full on Robin Williams. No. no, Robin Williams was a force that had not been unleashed upon this world until that episode. I'm, I mean. And I, I say that from mainstream television. You know what yes. I mean? So. so, all right, fair enough. It was. Oh, that's my that's my it, first entry. It did work as a spinoff. It did work to the it spinoff. It did. Couple, th- couple seasons, maybe three. Okay. So, mine is. <clears throat> mine comes from. The uh, mystery detective cop show dramedy Castle, starring okay. sci-fi legend Nathan Fillion. Yep. In the episode "The Final Frontier," mm. there's a science fiction convention going on in New York City, and a fan at a at a fan experience of a short-lived uh, science fiction cult show is murdered. <laughs> so we talked about this. <laughs> this is a hilarious episode. For starters, yep. the episode was directed by Jonathan Frakes. Mm-hmm. So, and he has a small cameo at the beginning where Castle is signing uh, like copies of his new. Um, I think this also went to go ahead and promote the the some of the Richard Castle uh, a companion materials that were being sold. You could you could read Nikki Heat books and then the Derek Storm uh, graphic novel, which is yeah. what he um, which is what he did. So that's what he's doing. He's signing it. He's signing it for he's signing it for Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> and I think he has a, a I think he has a T-shirt that says like I heart castle or something like that on it <laughs> and it's really just a real quick thing he's like oh i'm a big fan and then he walks off and castle goes how the mighty have fallen or something oh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so and of course there's numerous references to firefly in this show mm-hmm. nebula 9 that they're doing this fan experience at is actually like a one season kind of low basically it's like a cross between uh, Firefly and Star Trek. It's very Star Trek-y yep. uh, how they present it, but it's got, you know, the cult following, the, the fans who are rabid about it, and Beckett is a rabid fan. And Castle okay. is just dragging it all the entire episode. And he's like, no, oh, she's like, you don't like sci-fi? I thought you liked sci-fi. He's like, I'm a fan of legit sci-fi. Star Trek, Star Wars, that Joss Whedon <laughs> show, you know. <laughs> Just throws it out there, and you know, space cowboy. Yeah, <laughs> yep, there's a lot of great references to it, but the the murder weapon is actually a prototype, almost like it's 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 basically like a heat gun that fires oh. a, a a condensed like heat charge, which actually like a microwave almost gun yes, or something, which was created by this you know collector slash inventor played by. Armin Shimmerman. And oh, Jesus. And they have this 
you know, William Shatnery, you know, um, Jason Nesbeth kind of uh, douchey, washed up <laughs> lead actor who's, you know, he does the fan experience with these fans, like where they have a recreation of the bridge and then fans get to come on and, <laughs> and pretend they're in like an episode with him. Of course, he's t- completely pompous. But oh, yeah. the Bert, you know, it's it's one of the women who's running this fan meet. So she's actually murdered by a sci-fi kind of weapon. Some, one that's still got some grounded reality to it since it's a, basically a cop show. Right. Know, Castle was generally, generally re, re, reality-based. Mm-hmm. But it basically, like, burned a fucking hole in her sternum. So... <laughs> So, but so you know, it turns out to be like the female cast member, like who kind of got her start as like the the sexy, strong woman who is yep. trying to distance herself from this shitbox show. And she, she's you know, the success of this fan experience was actually leading to a possible reboot, and this woman wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. So basically, <laughs> she murders, you know, this fan, this super fan. With this working weapon, so it was uh, it was pretty good. It definitely had some hints of legitimate science fiction, and it was definitely a bit of a love, you know, kind of a love letter to science fiction. Yeah. All right, I like that. It's it's it toes the line, but I I, I could see that. It actually is like a love letter to science fiction, with a sci-fi element in it. Yes. Now, there was definitely a ton of references to stuff. Obviously, we know Nathan Fillion into Star Wars, you know, into uh, Brain Freeze, uh, Firefly and whatnot. But, you know, you have two Star Trek alums in it. It it was a good episode. It was fun. But, you know, it definitely dove headfirst into the sci-fi where they're even like, were they really using like some form of like real disruptor? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. All right, that's good. Good. I like that. Um, let me see here. I just needed to pull this up. Oh my god. You know that New Heart has 184 episodes. Yeah, I think I heard that. And then basically they they pulled the great, the great uh, uh, flip Dallas thing. It was all a dream. No, it, yeah, the whole he <coughs> wakes up and he's his character from the Bob Newhart show from the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's they um, must have been owned by the same parent company because that that's a pretty meta joke. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, it was just like how there was a, a crossover with Dharma and Greg in Two and a Half Men. When uh, the first episode that uh, Ashton Kutcher is in. Because they're they're house hunting. But they don't say Dharma and Greg. They're just the same actors. The other guy. Yeah. And and, yeah. Uh, But I bring this up because I can't find the episode. So I don't know if it's cheating or not. In an episode of New Heart, you know how he runs an inn? Yep. Uh, one of his friends comes in saying that he was abducted by aliens. And he spends the whole episode 
trying to come to terms with the fact that none of his friends believe him. And it was an interesting episode because it gave him a psychological crisis. Like, Ooh. no one believes me. Uh, Bob. How am I supposed to trust anyone? And eventually Bob talks to him and, and you know, Bob is convinced like something happened to his friend. Uh, whether it was an alien or not, he he actually the, his friend asks him, Bob, do you think they're out there? Like, do you do you think something actually took me? And he goes, I don't know. But something happened and they ended it very ambiguously. But that I mean, it's interesting because. It's a very grounded show and they bring an alien abduction all of a sudden and it ends just. We have no resolution. It's just like everything else. They don't know what happened. We have no answers. So I want to I want to jump into something after this, but uh, that's an interesting theory where, I mean, you know, for many years, you know, uh, before we could figure things out, you know, it was like, well, what happened to this guy? Uh, witches or you know, God's will or something where you can't find some mm -hmm. sort of explanation. You look for another explanation. It's like another version of, you know, well, obviously the witches cursed me or something like that. So, yeah, people grasping to find reasons, no matter how improbable. And that's a good point. I, I mean, you're right. Like, I'm sorry, were you done with your. Were, no, that was my point about this, but I have something that this is making me think of. Yeah, go for it. All right. So the TV show Bones. Yep. Right, as grounded in reality, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, because Dr. Brennan is very much a scientist, so everything is very logical. And she's she can't she struggles talking to Booth because he has faith. He's a Catholic. And so and he has belief strong belief systems that can't really be proved by science. And that's some of the early friction they have. But in one of the later seasons, Bones, which definitely there was a, a, an episode where they found a body in Roswell that they had to go investigate. And there was discussion as to whether or not it was aliens because everybody was convinced it was aliens. But it turns out it was, you know, some human plot. It's almost like Scooby-Doo. I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you kids. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but they do an actual legitimate crossover. Bones, which is completely based, you know, for the most part, based in science and reality. Mm -hmm. They do a crossover with Sleepy Hollow. No, really? They did, yes. So they're the same freaking universe. <laughs> right. And you've got Ichabod Crane, a man from the 18th century, resurrected yep. in the 21st century, talking to Temperance. It, you know what it was like? It was kind of like watching one of those Star Trek episodes where they go back in time. All, or in all these episodes of Picard, now they're back in the past, and they're like, can't say we're from the future kind of thing. So, yeah. Crane is like, she's like, why are you wearing like, you know, 18th century American garb? Oh, well, I, and his whole thing is he's a 
he, he claims he's a visiting professor from England who's an expert on the Revolutionary War period, and he's a consultant, so that's, he dresses, <laughs> yeah, it's, when you watch Sleepy Hollow with all the fantastical elements that come with it, you enjoy it. In fact, I really enjoyed Sleepy Hollow. I was very yeah. disappointed when, first, when Nicole Bahari, the, the, the co-lead, left after season three, and then, although I enjoyed season four, um, I did. I was very. I was disappointed when they did not continue the series, but I kind of understood why. Yeah. So it was called Sleepy Hollow, and they weren't in Sleepy Hollow anymore. <laughs> um, but so anyway, it's literally like a two-part crossover. Like first they guest star in Bones, and then Booth and Brennan. I guess guest star a little bit in the episode of Sleepy Hollow. They're all trying to like, like they discover like a you know the the catacombs of the founding fathers underneath the Smithsonian, or <laughs> you know underneath DC or something like that. So Booth is investigating it, and of course by this time, Abby Mills, the cop who then became an FBI agent, that's how you get to loop in. Sleepy Hollow and Bones. Mm. But, and of course, Booth then claims he knew Abby's mentor, and it's just ridiculous because <laughs> it's Bones. Maybe the, 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 the fantasy element is not quite the same as sci fi, but it's literally Bones checking their entire premise out the yeah. fucking window to no. do a crossover <laughs> here. And I'll allow that because of, it was I enjoyable. Mean, very in much this, so. In this context, fantasy could be considered part of sci-fi. Right. So it's so, complete, but it's, it's it was like chucking a decade's worth of shows right <laughs> out the window as soon as you did that crossover. I remember watching it overseas, but it was completely... Remember how Bones is skeptical of everything and she barely even under you know can comprehend religion? Right. So let's throw actual bullshit in there. Yeah. They debunked <laughs> aliens and like uh, a, a Bigfoot myth several times, and they've discovered it was there was you know, but sure, let's have demons. Yeah, let's, let's have, have a resurrected, a, a, you know, Revolutionary <laughs> War officer fighting demons. Let's go ahead and dive into every Illuminati conspiracy theory right there. The one thing that they didn't have was enough Hodgins who was who was so dialed into these Illuminati conspiracy theories. <laughs> But that, yeah, it completely went off the rails with that one. And I was looking for for crossovers like that, and I found one. Mm -hmm. it, it's not as blatant as what you described. But before I bring that up, because that was a good one. I got <laughs> I like that one a lot. Um, you know the X-Files? Yes. What about it? it? takes place in the same universe as The Wire. They never did a direct crossover, but because of ancillary characters doing crossovers with other shows that it linked, you know, Kevin Bacon style, mm -hmm. boom. And I don't have the link for you, so that's why I'm not really talking about it. But it's an interesting deal. Okay, I've got something for you getting into that similar vein. 
it kind of goes into the more of the fantastical and maybe even the okay. And, and this is just FYI, bring it up, but I don't. This isn't exactly the road that I wanted to go down. No, but so I was a big, you know, I. Do you watch NCIS? No, no, have you not, ever? Not at all. Okay, <laughs> maybe an episode or two with so, Mark Harmon, right? Right. Yeah. So NCIS huge franchise right now, right? Four separate shows. It spun off of the television series JAG, which was about Navy and Marine Corps lawyers that ran from like 95 to 2005. 96. No, you're just thinking of the CBS run. The one I year on the NBC. CBS run. See, it was, it was tried out for a year on NBC before it got booted and CBS picked it up and turned it into a gold mine. Yep. Because that is not only connected to, it's co- they've connected directly to Hawaii Five O, but like Hawaii Five O has connected to the MacGyver reboot, and they've had a couple of other loosely connected other shows like um, Hawaii Five O, which is also connected to Magnum PI reboot. So now you have all of these interconnected things but all the way back in some of the er- middle seasons of jag the the, mer- the female marine sarah mckenzie who tough as nails brilliant oh uh, uh catherine bell absolutely gorgeous and you know what she really held her own in that show she was very good i enjoyed it for so long <laughs> but she, there's a couple of episodes where she has Precognition. <laughs> they literally, Jack. they literally do like rip from the headlines military things where, you know, they're dealing with you know assault cases and you know stolen military equipment and drunken disorderlies and investigating you know aircraft crashes and all this shit, right? And of course, yeah. that's even before you get into the the you know invasion of Iraq in Afghanistan in the early two thousands, which I swear gave this thing um, new life. <laughs> but so they have this, they set this up where she like kind of occasionally gets little vibes of like the, her foster or like her uh, she did like the big sister program, and then like yeah. she. Like her big sister get or her little sister gets lost and so then that happens and then in some of the earlier seasons because the main character Harmon Rab his father was shot down in Vietnam when he was a kid so he's been kind of chasing after him but he occasionally has visions of him <laughs> and at one point we're pretty sure he converses with his father's ghost. And <laughs> oh yeah, it, it it's it's a little trippy at times. Yeah, considering how grounded Jag is, generally way, it's very grounded. She appeared in that as that same character in NCIS Los Angeles in 2019 and 2020. Uh, they both did. Did they both? Okay. Yes. So um, yeah, they uh, most of the main. Uh, cast of Jag uh, came back like a decade later into NCIS. 
I have a roommate who, an old roommate who worked, I don't know if he still does, but he worked on NCIS Los Angeles for a long time. Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and he didn't, he didn't share any inside scoops, though. So there He's was a gentleman. This, oh, that's very nice. <laughs> you know, uh, but so again, very grounded. And then you get these occasional fantastical things that just seems kind of out there. And I, and some of them I think was more early in the run when, you know, there wasn't like trying to keep things spicy because it's the only military show on TV at the yeah. time. They didn't need to do jack shit as soon as 9-11 hit, because then, oh, <laughs> no. now we can really do shit, which gave yeah. it new life, and I think it's basically what led to the NCIS spinoffs. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, that takes on a very supernatural vibe that's just not in line with anything else. Right. And and again, that you know, that's kind of what we're talking about here. Like episodes that completely deviate from the motif of what this show is all about. Yeah. You know? And it's 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 you know, this is this isn't this isn't quite like the very special episode that many eighties and nineties shows, family shows would have where they take on very, very serious subject matter. So the the, yeah, that was one that kind of stood out there for me. Uh, so, I don't know if we're exactly hitting exactly what you are were intending, but I definitely think we're definitely we're, crossing we're, over some lines. We're close. Here. It's good. No, I think it's compelling to talk about. So, isn't that the whole point? Yes. So, um, all right, I'm going to steal one from you, but I, I mm. you don't know Go it ahead. yet. Go ahead. Um, but I, I do want to point out the dichotomy of me bringing up all these sitcoms versus you bringing up all these procedurals. <laughs> Just, well, I watch I a think, lot more. I think it encapsulates our personalities perfectly. <laughs> well, I mean, I watch a lot of procedurals. I watch, but I've and I haven't watched a ton of sitcoms over the last few years. Not that I don't like them, it's just I found more compelling storytelling. Right. Right. Well, it's just it's fine. I mean, it's not it's not a judgment. It's just a it's a it's a noticed thing. So <laughs> all right. So here's one. Hmm? The Simpsons Simpsorama. <laughs> yes. They cross over with Futurama. Uh, and you know what? My esteemed better half asked when asking what we were going to be discussing tonight, asked if that was going to be a topic. I, that that's why I'm thinking that I, I stole it from you. <laughs> now, Simpsons, of course, they can take, you know, for the most part, I can't say it's really grounded in reality because there's plenty of ridiculous shit that happens. It is a cartoon. It's, a, mean, it's a Christian family that goes through family-ish things, especially near the beginning. Um, when they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land and all the uh, animatronic robots go berserk and try to kill them all? Well, that's just good writing. So, so It's a little fantastical. 
yeah, but still grounded in absolutely Jurassic Park. Um, <laughs> but this is like this isn't Lisa inventing a time machine or anything. This is people coming from the future, not during not during a Treehouse of Horror episode, which are non-canon, by the way. Yes, I know, and of course we all will always stipulate to that fact. Yeah, uh, that it is non-canon. Um, some of them are very good, like the Xena Warrior <laughs> Princess one, the stretch dude and clobber girl. Yeah, that was that yeah. was a fun one. Um, <laughs> I mean, but there's also I mean that was a great crossover. It was just a lot of fun. It was Mac Rainey allowing himself to enjoy his his two most successful creations. Right, and and. I mean, it was creative, too, because it was Bart sneezing into the time capsule. Right. That unleashes this godly, ungodly, what is it, like Bart-looking rabbit thing? Well, it mixed with the DNA of the rabbit's foot that I think Milhouse put in. Yeah. And, of course, the the toxic waste <laughs> from the nuclear power plant leaked in. And it See, turned and that's like right. That's what it was. Giant was rabbit catalyst. Bart bunnies or something like that. And yeah. It, it was ridiculous. Sieging New, New York. And so the Futurama cast has to go back in time to try to kill who they think is Homer that caused this whole thing. <laughs> and then they find out it was Bart. Um, and then to this day, I mean, Bender is still sitting in their basement. <laughs> yep waiting um, to be reactivated in the year 3022 <laughs> so uh, I mean how old is Bender at this point with how many times he went back in time and then just waited dude's got to be like 50,000 he's got to be like <laughs> possibly like 10, 15,000 years old right. 20,000 years old but that was creative. That was a good callback to like Bender's big score, or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, you know, Bender's, like they were Bender's very consistent with that. Fun one. So <laughs> it's been almost ten years since I've seen it, so I don't remember much of it. But I do remember Bender waiting three thousand years after he completed each task and going back in time again. <laughs> Just so, um, but yeah, that was a good. That was a good episode. Uh, yes. I mean, it's The Simpsons, so, and yes, of course, it stretches the terms of reality and, and its rules. So take that for what you will. But it was enjoyable, and it kind of broke the mold a little bit. It did. It did, especially it, since most everything else, even the things that appear to be sci-fi, like oh, the X-Files episode that has... <laughs> where they think that where where Homer thinks that there's a, an alien, it turns out it's Mr. Burns coming. Mr. Burns, you know, coming out of uh, like all of his uh, life extending treatment, but he glows yeah. in the dark because he's fucking he, radioactive. He, he's, he's radioactive from the plant. Yep. And then they yep. have Scalder and Molly show. Uh, Scalder and Molly, yeah. Scalder <laughs> and Scully from the X Files are there. Another Fox show, and then Leonard Nimoy is like hosting it and then he shows up at the end <laughs> he's singing and there's Chewbacca and they're singing good morning starshine yeah yeah <laughs> there it says hello <laughs> so that was a good one I, I I thought so um 
Yeah, it was a fun one. <laughs> You're just chuckling <laughs> over the memory. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to say, uh, it, oh, in the when Marge versus the monorail, Leonard Nimoy's in it, and it's they basically get it to the end, and then Leonard Nimoy says, "It seems my work here is done." And then Barney you goes, didn't well, "You didn't do anything." Do anything. And he's like, "Didn't I?" And then he literally beams away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Simpsons, I mean, they have some, you know, hilarious ones. Don't you think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was more of a sight gag than anything for the, the you know. But, you know. <laughs> Do you have any other candidates? Um, let's see. Uh, well, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things like that. Obviously, you can't do dive into Family Guy because they just stewy. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it's it's too ridiculous. I um, mean, having a talking baby that can invent things anyway. That talking I mean, dog, you know, talking I dog. Oh, ass ahoy! Uh. <laughs> so that those are the Brian interactions I miss. Not these ridiculous like current Brian, who's very annoying. <laughs> Um, I haven't seen uh, the last couple seasons of Family Guy. So, you know, you have these shows, which, of course, and of course, there's plenty of sci-fi themed shows where people will or like the Big Bang Theory, for instance. The Big Bang Theory is nothing but a love letter to all of nerd culture. Are, right. You know, do they portray real astrophysicists and stuff like that? And. Do they actually dive into real science like string theory and things like that? Of course, they do. But the list of sci-fi icons who show up is absurd. You have half the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. Leonard Nimoy. Uh, you have Mark Hamill. Will Wheaton is a recurring guest star as Will Wheaton. You have LeVar Burton was there, Brent Spiner. Um, I mean, shit, Amy's mom was Teller. Wait, from Penn and was, Teller. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. You mean Amy's dad? Yes, what did I say, Amy's mom? Amy's mom. <laughs> Which, sure, let's go with that. I mean, in this day and age, okay. <laughs> Howard has a dream sequence where he's being uh, basically... Devil and Angel by George Takei and Katie Sackhoff. <laughs> oh, yeah. A woman I was wants, thinking... to be, wants to be wooed. How do you know? <laughs> I read. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. It is not... I mean, yes, they have dream sequences. They have... I mean, uh, is this a dream? Yeah. So that's why there's a Gorn sitting on our couch, you know? Or like yep. when Sheldon thinks <laughs> that the, the little Spock toy is talking to him. I was going to bring up that as a, an honorable mention. The, the mean, transporter malfunction episode. I, <laughs> so, I mean, you get it all. Nathan Fillion guest starred. Um, oh, my God, yeah. Where he was pretending not to be Nathan Fillion. He's like, well, why don't we just... Why don't, do you want a picture with somebody who looks like Nathan Fillion but annoyed? Sure. <laughs> he's got this one. <laughs> 
the James Earl Jones episode where Sheldon pals yeah. around with James Earl Jones and then they go and ding dong ditch Carrie Fisher. <laughs> Ironically, that is the first time the two ever met. Was in that uh, episode. Mark Hamill and, and James Earl Jones? No, 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 not Mark Hamill. Carrie Fisher and James Earl Jones. Carrie Fisher. They never met it. <laughs> Apparently, the moment she came up on onto stage, she runs up and gives James a hug and goes, Dad! Wow. So that was her, but, I mean, that that is it. I mean, you have, yes, it is, is, is that true science fiction? No. I mean, it's not like they go off and there's like one random episode where they are all the time machine. Then again, I, I will say the time that they, the, the four of them go to the North Pole was kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty close. It was close, but not quite. It was still realistic. It was possible. It could be those those sequences could be recreated in today's technology. <laughs> yep. So, uh. yeah, you brought up my honorable mention. So, because that was technically a dream sequence with him talking to the the action figure Spock. <laughs> so, they've had a, they've had a lot of great dream sequences in that show. Now. Here's one that I wanted to talk about because this is on the bubble. I sure. this was. I said that Mork and Mindy was what inspired me. It wasn't the first one that I thought of, though. What was? Punky Brewster. The perils <laughs> of Punky. What was she? Did she feel she got abducted by an alien? No, close. It was in season two, and she and Henry and her friends and. Uh, Cherry and her grandma, they all go camping mm. and they end up in a cave, just the kids. Mm. Oh. And she's about to tell a scary story when a Native American comes in and scares the crap out of them, tells them this cave is cursed and you you must get out. Um, they they run to get away from him and they go deeper into the cave and Punky's attacked by a giant spider, a huge like shelob kind of spider. Um, Cherry disappears. Alan turns into part of the wall with like these big fangs and just, um, it was a scary, creepy episode for a kid. <laughs> you know, I mean, literally all of our friends die by the end. Dream sequence. Turned out well, she was telling a story. Oh, she was telling old, a scary story. Switcheroo. It was a switcheroo. Yeah. That's a little dark. It was dark. That's the thing. It was the only episode where they actually went that dark in horror. So th that's why I wanted to bring it up, because technically it's not canon, but it really broke the mold for what the show really is about. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. Honorable mention. I'll, I'll say that. So. Yep. I... I I, I can I can buy that. You know we uh, we've had a lot of um, we've had a lot of you know, there's a lot of shows that like like to tip their hat to it. <sighs> tip tip their sci-fi. Oh okay. <laughs> I mean, you've had, I mean, look at Scrubs. All the dream sequences, the daydreams that JD had. Right? Yes. 
I mean, and then you also have, you know, occasional shows that maybe delve into the little, maybe there is a ghost out there. Or maybe (laughs) there is something unexplained somewhere. New heart. Yeah, well, you get a little bit of that. And, of course, then, then you have shows which, like, claim to be grounded in reality. I mean, I brought up Jag. Okay, and then they kind of dipped a little bit into that. Yeah, yeah. So and, I mean, that's that's the fun part of this this episode. When we were talking about space above and beyond, I mentioned that there was an episode where, and and I know this is going to sound strange, but it definitely shows that they're trying to keep some practicality in space above and beyond, right? To a degree, mm-hmm. as much as they can, sci-fi. But they actually did do an episode where they had a, an officer tagging along with them who was evaluating because he thinks that there are people with precognition. And oh. that was kind of a out there for that particular brand as well. Yep. Because it was, yeah. they didn't really prove it or anything. I mean, that's. It's not like we're dealing with Briscoe County Jr. in the orb. No. <laughs> I mean, but when you think about it, overall, Briscoe, despite its bizarreness, was still generally bound by laws of physics and such. <laughs> generally. Then, I mean, it had its own like, physical rules. And then but then it also. Like four episodes that has this orb that just kind of comes out of left field. <laughs> well, it starts the whole series. So, I mean, and, the, and it, that set the tone for, like, fantastical things can happen in this show. Even yes. though it's a, a, a semi-grounded Western, you know? Uh-huh. Which, goddamn, that is such an enjoyable show. Ugh. I know. And folks, <laughs> I, I gotta just buy the I, damn series. Yes, you should. And, folks, <laughs> we will continue to reference this series whenever possible. Because, damn it, it deserves the love. Wait, didn't did we talk on air about my idea for Briscoe County Junior? Was that off the air? I think we did talk a little bit about it, like being like right after World War One or something. No, 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 no. Um, well, maybe. Um, but we having about... like a make a five million dollar Briscoe County Junior movie. I'm game for that, man. You don't remember talking about this? Yes, I think I do remember. So I just don't know if we did it while I was recording. Anyway, I mean, come on, Bruce Campbell, that's marketable. And it, it, it's not a risk. It's not a risk if you make it for like five, seven million dollars. You know, it could be done. And he's it used to working be. on a shoestring budget. Give him mm-hmm. part of the re, give him part of the residuals. Give him a percent on the back end. Yeah, no, but, you're right. And, you know, Universal some, doesn't come to me. Yep. But but. You just got me thinking. I have another. Uh, I have another TV show that I can actually bring this to. Okay. One of the last episodes of Yellowstone for this past season. Uh oh. I don't. Are you familiar with Yellowstone? Oh, I'm very familiar with Yellowstone and its pilot. So, <laughs> Casey, the youngest of the Duttons, who was who ran who got you know the you know got you know he and monica they have tate monica the 
I think she's maybe Crow or Lakota. Um, but, you know, Casey kind of trying to walk between these two worlds, you know, of trying to find a balance between, you know, trying to make peace with the Native Americans because of his wife and his son, as mm-hmm. well as also being, you know, the son of John Dutton and the heir to this fucking ranch. Right. So, but one of the last things he does is he basically goes on a vision quest. And he has all sorts of hallucinations and conversing with spirits and being warned about tricksters being false spirits and temptation. So could it be just a hallucination? Could there be some form of mystical property going on? The show is ultimately very grounded in reality. That's very... That's a loophole, though. Existential. And, of course, you know, we... American media has definitely milked the Native American mysticism for (laughs) a long time. I mean, how many of these horror movies from the 70s? Oh, it was built on an Indian graveyard. Like, that's not offensive or anything. No, not at all. You know, because, you know, the Native American is plotting revenge it was from very, beyond the grave it was very disturbing and poignant yeah i mean you, you you'll see these shows where which will have oh somebody's in a coma the coma dream or or something like that mm-hmm. but this was very intense and of course again it's very grounded in reality and it's not the first time that people have gone and done sweat lodges and rituals and whatnot but this was the first time they really took a deep dive into the uh, mysticism. I would say that's a valid that's a valid loophole for a show like that. It is, but I think it also fits our vibe. It does go against the vibe. Yep. But if you hear about all these ayahuasca trips and stuff, have you heard about these things? Uh, well, yeah. And you go on the narcotics and stuff like mezcal and peyote and stuff like DMT. Like, you know, you basically encounter these beings on this other realm of existence who are very welcoming and stuff. Now, I would never have the guts to do it. But I'm very curious about it (laughs) at the same time, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you get... You get weirdness stuff sometimes, like right. going back to things like things messing with your head. Like there was an episode, like uh, I think towards like I think like maybe the end of like the third or fourth season of Bones, Booth finds himself talking to Stewie, and Stewie's there. He's like in the interrogation room, and Stewie's talking to him, and basically Stewie's basically just trying to get him to bang Bones. He's like, she, she obviously I have feelings for her. Why aren't you with this beautiful woman? And Brennan comes in and she's like, "What? Are you, who are you talking to? I'm talking Who's to Stewie? the baby from the family from guy. Family guy? And she's like, really? talking to a cartoon. Yeah, it was actually Stewie. It was Seth. Oh, Patron. Jesus. <laughs> and she's like, wait, you're talking to a cartoon baby? He's like, yeah. She's like, we need to get you to a hospital. And then it turns out he's got like a brain tumor. And so he goes oh, brain surgery. And like an entire episode is set in this coma dream where he and Booth or Mar- or Brennan and Booth are married and they own this nightclub and all of their 
friends or like either employees or connected with it. And, and then there's an actual murder that goes along with it. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's trippy, man. I mean, yeah. it, it does the whole soapy uh, coma thing, but then they also were able to do a little uh, cross, uh, cross Fox promotions there with him talking to, Again, it kind of fits in because there's been plenty of documentation of people having hallucinations, talking to people who aren't there, you know, all sorts of weird things with brain tumors. So, I mean, it that, fits, but again, it's still. Technically not sci-fi, but it goes against the grain of what the show is. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're kind of stretching it a little from into things like some mysticism and fa and fantasy on top of hard sci-fi. It's, it's a stretch. Honorable mentions, I, I yes. should say. Because I think we we had like a couple of things in mind, but I guess this was a bit of a thinner topic. Than well, we I still got a couple more. Oh, well, I got some I solid was, ones. Uh, well, then why haven't you been bringing them up? Well, I, I was waiting for you, but here we go. Um, I, I, I was going with the do, going with the back and forth kind of thing. Well, we talked about some good stuff up till now. It's good. Damn right. <laughs> okay, this one you're probably not familiar with. Do you remember the show Working from 1997 to 99? With Fred Savage. Fred Savage. Yeah. yeah, that was that was actually kind of fun. I do. Yeah, I enjoyed that show. And it was, they aired it on USA during the day and the yeah, summer. Yeah, they did all the reruns and they were usually, there was like one show that lasted long and the rest were all like, you know, one or two season wonders that, you know, yeah. a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff that probably would start to fill in the void of things we talk about. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, premise is real quick. Fred Savage plays this guy fresh from college, wants to climb the corporate ladder, and starts at the entry-level position of this big multinational company that may or may not be really evil. It's, you know, it's not really confirmed or not. Anyway, the show was canceled after two and a half seasons, I think. Mm, yeah. um, and uh, the last episode... They do an homage to Sliding Doors, the movie with Gwyneth Paltrow, mm. where Gwyneth Paltrow's character is trying to get to the, the train to get home from work. And there's this one thing where it changes, where they, we suddenly see the split in the universe, where one universe, she makes the train. It's an early train. Or the, the, the other universe where she doesn't make the train. And she has to wait. And that difference of like 30 minutes changes her entire <laughs> life in one universe, but not the other. Mm. Um, spoiler alert. Like, she she gets home early and she finds her husband's been cheating on her or a boyfriend and everything. So she goes through this horrible breakup. Mm -hmm. Things start to get better. And as her life gets better, we see her original life. She gets home. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't catch her boyfriend cheating because he knew that she was coming home at this time, yada, yada. And she lives this kind of mundane, you know, life or whatnot. And we we're like rooting on for the one universe where she's like getting better and like she's becoming her own self and everything. 
in the end, she gets run over by a car. <laughs> Whereas the one where she didn't find her boyfriend or her husband cheating, she's still alive. So it's a head scratcher. Anyway, they kind of did the same thing here where they did a flip of a coin where they were supposed to get this big project done yeah. before the end of the day. And they flipped the coin on what, how they were going to do it. And one way they did it the conventional way to get done before the end of the day. Right. The other one was taking more of a risk. And lo and behold, the one where they got the risk, everyone in that cast finds the, their true love. Fred Savage's character gets to gets hired by a new company with the girl, the girl of his dreams, and he gets to go abroad. Like, everyone's dreams come true in this one scene. It ends with the other group saying, hey, we're going to just do the safe thing, finish the project, and we'll go have a beer. And at the end, they're all at the bar like, listen, we worked really hard today. And because of that, we're, we're doing this. And guys, we got out early. We, we finished 30 minutes before we thought we would. Isn't that great? And at the end, we see the girl of his dreams walk by and they share a glance. And she walks away out the bar. And it's like, you could have had something different. But it was like, it, it, it literally showed the split in the universe. That's interesting. And it wasn't, it it wasn't and it, it wasn't like it was retconned. It wasn't like a dream sequence. It literally was a split in the universe, and that was their finale. You know that's pretty interesting. Uh, I don't recall ever seeing that episode, but that premise that premise finale. has been done before too. The road not traveled. There was an episode of Mad About You where the place where Paul and Jamie meet burns down, and they kind of have this weird. Oh, yeah. Like, like dividing where, like, you know, because it burned down, they're slowly starting to, like, drift apart and then start to lose memories of each other or something. Yeah. And, and then it kind of comes back to, like, I guess it was, like, what they would have been doing if they hadn't met in that That's a moment. perfect example. That fits here perfectly. Yes. They literally lost their memories of each other. Yeah. Wow, that was a good pull. It never, it never would have crossed my mind. Good I job. haven't seen that episode in like however many years. Original like, air date. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see TV <laughs> on Thursday nights on NBC. <laughs> now you want to talk about stuff that used to get weird. Like, do you remember news radio? Do I? <laughs> Later in their runs, they would have it like. Like a random episode where, like, the office building is the Titanic, or like the office building <laughs> is a fucking spaceship. Yeah. So yeah. it's completely like, it's kind of like almost like Treehouse of Horror kind of like yeah. alternate Not reality canon. thing. Yeah. Know? That was a good show. I enjoyed that show because I pictured it like a play. Yeah. It was basically a play every week. Now, you could say that a lot about three camera sitcoms but this was a lot like a play well i mean they do ridiculous shit you know and yeah you you will get that occasionally in some of these tv shows where it's like let's put the cast like jag did this and it usually ended up being like a, a dream sequence or somebody getting lost in thought while doing um there was one episode where mac is 
reviewing an old case and reading about one of her ancestors who had been, I guess, charged with a crime by the Navy. And then it flashes to that where you see all the character, all the, you know, actors are playing like these characters in the 1840s. And then there's was definitely one, one or two where we flash back to Harm's dad, who's just Harm with a mustache and all of these. So they do a lot of, you know, they did a few of these episodes from time to time where they would like completely, there was one where like Harm is visiting, I think his father's grave or something like that. And then he's walking by this woman and who's praying or something at a, at a grave and they start talking and she t- tells him about the man she met and married, you know? And so it flashes back to like Marines invading Japan or uh, it's the Pacific during world war two. And so, these are the occasional bottle episodes that they would just throw this shit at. Right. So it allows people to, you know, to play different characters or be different people. So that, that's definitely a trope that we've seen through TV before. Maybe it's not always, uh, sci-fi or anything no, out of the ordinary, right. but it's just completely out of, you know, it, it's just a complete different world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a refreshing take on on an established property, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I got another one for you. Okay. And this is probably the coup d'etat, because everything else I have are honorable mentions, which... <laughs> All right. So, family matters. Is this now, where they they where later in the season Steve develops the stupid machine that turns him into Stefan? Part of it. So Family it's Matters so weird later in its run. Family Matters was a show that was set in South Chicago, following a working class black family. Yep. The husband is a, a Chicago PD officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wife played by Car- the great Reginald Vell Johnson, one of the best yep. TV dads of all time. Oh my God! Yes, book. except very, very quick to ground for a very long time. His children, like you're grounded for a month, and I'm sitting here like, what? Oh, <laughs> I guess, but man, was he quick to like throw out a month or two weeks and like unfathomable amounts of time to punish Harriet his children? Usually would reel it back in because yeah, yeah, but Harriet. No, that's true. She was the she was the true boss of the family. And this, of but, course, is a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. That was my point. She played she played the uh, uh, elevator operator uh, in Perfect Strangers at the newspaper uh, that that uh, <laughs> Larry and Bal- Larry and Balky worked at <laughs> for two years. She was there, and then they spun her off. And um, it was, was supposed a much to be better a character on the spinoff. She was much more well rounded. Yes, but it was supposed to be a very grounded show talking about real life events, racism. And it was for uh, like the most of the, the series. Two years it was, because then they introduced Urkel in the middle of season two or near the beginning of season two. This this socially awkward, typical Hollywood nerd with big glasses, pants pulled all the way up over his navel and a shirt too tight and just and walked walked duck leggedly and the really nasally voice yes 
And but he was breaking stereotypes. Black nerds weren't really a thing before this well, either. Uh, that's a good point. And because of Urkel's popularity just soaring, Family Matters decided to change, the writers decided to change direction. And Key and Peel did an awesome skit about this. <laughs> well, from, I mean, from the father's point of view. Did, right. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I, I haven't. But I mean, they phased out the, 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 the youngest daughter. Yep. You know, uh, she just completely disappeared. It was like uh, she ran upstairs. The was, never came back. It was like the happy days thing. So happy days, older brother. Disappeared. Yep. I mean, I mean, yeah. Would Steve invent some weird stuff from time to time? Yeah. Was it mostly within the realm of reality in the first, I don't know, four or five years? Sure. But later in yep. the season, later in the series, like where he develops, like, I think a it was a fire. Yeah. But it basically it just ripped off. Um, the nutty professor. Yeah, absolutely. It was a yeah, basically they, they, he would nutty professor himself and invent this instead of a serum, a machine that would turn him into this suave, cool dude Stephon named Stefan Urkel. Right. <laughs> so it, it was completely absurd. That if, that that uh, what was her name? Uh, Laura. God, Laura. Yeah, that Laura just swooned over right. and everything. And it's ridiculous too, because like she knows he's Steve, but it's the same. Right. It's the same principle. I mean, it's the way for him to, you know, break the typecast. But it, it's it's absurd because. Yep. I mean, she ought to know it's still him. And I know. Course, after <laughs> a while, it just became like the Urkel show anyway. Yep. Now, now, I bring this up. I bring this up because. It's such a turnabout for the show, and I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna make this even more because you you mentioned that he made inventions and stuff. Wow! Remember when he built the rocket rocket pack and he landed in fucking? (laughs) I forgot uh, about that. Where did he go to like step by step or something like that? Yeah, he he took off from Chicago and landed in another TV show for a a guest spot. It was yeah, he was there. This was all TGIF, folks. He showed up. He was he was a, a guest star in um, Full House yeah. for a little bit too. Yep, he had that <laughs> stupid dance. You know. Oh my God! Yeah. But you know, it, 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 it's sad too because you it, for a while you would get the the strong racial themes. You know, social commentary, gang, gang violence. violence, and you know uh, there was times police. where like. Police brutality or mistaken identity. Gun guns in, in oh, schools. Yeah. It was you know it was a great show, really. It was when they was doing the things that they set out to. Right. And and by the way, we were young when this show came out. We were eight, nine years old, and we, we appreciated the show at that time. Right? I don't know about you, but I did. I, I did. For for and, and you 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 caught it on the level that you were supposed to catch it at. So, then then they muck it up with Steve Steve Urkel and Stefan Urkel. You know, earlier in his run when he's just the nerdy next door neighbor who kind of butts in a little bit, that was such an eighties nineties sitcom trope. In fact, yes. that's been a sitcom trope forever. The nosy neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of them have been legendary characters have grown out of them. No, but still, I mean, they just overdid it so fucking much. Mm-hmm. And then they just went, instead of just being the nerdy neighbor, he became like one of the central focuses of the show, and boom. Then 
they just jumped the shark and started doing ridiculously weird shit in the later years. Season eight, episode seven, Stevel. Where oh, a ventriloquist, a ventriloquist dummy, mm. looking exactly like Urkel, comes to life and terrorizes the Winslows, and Steve must stop it. Cannon. That's awful. That Cannon. is awful. Canon. This was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers about an immigrant coming from a nondescript Mediterranean country to visit his cousin and to find the American dream. Stevel. <laughs> I mean, they definitely had a couple of weird dream sequences in most of these shows, even when they were. But yeah. Because then when you find out that they connect to some of these other shows that for the most part remain relatively normally grounded, then it calls all of that into question. Right. Right. Exactly. So <laughs> I think uh, so there are shows that could do this well. We talked about Mork and, and Happy Days, uh, The Simpsons. Um God, oh, uh, Jag. Jag did that well with uh, the crossover um, of Sleepy Hollow. No, that but was you're right. Bones. Jag oh, did Bones. the whole the precog thing. Yeah. And, and ghost stuff. Right. So, I mean, so Bones will cross over with Sleepy Hollow. That one and went right off the rails. And that, that, and you're right, that pushes the envelope because it, it, it does question the integrity of what Bones is. Right. As a show. Now, but let me put it this way: I thoroughly enjoyed it because I the cat the actors really worked well off of each other, and it yeah. was fun. And of course, you got the you know they're trying to hide the supernatural stuff from the fucking uh, from the uh, you know analytical forensic anthropologist who doesn't believe in anything but science. So. Right, right. But Family Matters, I think, takes the cake. Family Matters. That just that was. <laughs> That was shark jumping. That was the same as the Mork <laughs> in Happy Days, right? Worse. I would say jumping worse. Jumping the shark in Happy Days is more believable than either of these two things. Yes. Okay. I, I mean, it was so bad. And Key and Peel, if you can look it up on YouTube, it's there. I, I'm sure I will. Yeah, next could, time I go looking up for A.A. Ron. Thir thoroughly enjoyable. It did. It, it's captive captivates that whole thing perfectly. Blah, I can't speak now. Um, so that was my coup, coup de resistance, peace de resistance, no, coup, coup d'etat, coup d'etat. Coup, de, I, I talked about an Irish lab today. I've been you, mixing up all my, all my terms today. You racist, yep. An Irish lab that 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 qualifies all right. Oh Lord! <laughs> well, if we can um, go ahead and talk about all the shows that will occasionally just go out there. I mean, you have like a fantastical show like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something from. I mean, the original Arrowverse was uh, the original TV show Arrow was literally supposed to be all grounded in reality. <laughs> and then they dropped the flash in. And once that became it, then it kicked the door wide open for everything. Yep. Yeah. And the first two seasons, the arrow shot to kill. Um, 
No, he did. He did. No, I mean, I mean, they, they still, you know, secret organizations and shit like that. You know, I mean, it's not like it was holy, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, um, do you want me to bring up my last honorable mention? I do. Okay, because this is it. This is the last I have of everything. Yes. Honorable mention, The Wonder Years, season two. Oh, is this where he, like, imagines he's in an episode of Star Trek or something? Yes, the episode is just between me and you and Kirk and Paul and Carla and Becky. Where the... the, the <laughs> The, the plot summary is Kevin and Kirk McRae both want to know which one Winnie really likes. Kevin struggles with his feelings for Winnie. He's actually dating Becky, yeah. but he likes Winnie. Becky finds out. Doesn't she knock punches, him out or something? Punches the shit out of him and leaves him, leaves him unconscious on the ground. Deservedly so, by the way, because Kevin was not a good. He was a pretty selfish, but in an understandable way way uh, that's not a good way to put it but he well, he, he definitely thought human. of himself first a lot more and he was human he was a growing kid right and unfortunately growing up you make mistakes and some of those mistakes end up with heartbreak well, and this is that perfect example lasting consequences i mean it yep. is life yep and i loved this show but this is still one of the best shows ever made um but he wakes up dressed as Kirk, and Paul is Spock. And well, of course, uh, Paul was going to be Spock. And they run into they, they run the into <laughs> they run into this this alien race called women. <laughs> I seem to recall that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and and they're like fascinating. They seem to be of a female persuasion. And yeah, it's basically like a dream sequence from Scrooge. It, it, I mean, it literally was a dream sequence, and I brought it up because. You mentioned like shows that where they dress up and do a scene from Star Trek or something, but that's why I created the honorable mention category. Right. So, so I have uh, an honorable honorable mention. <laughs> the complete opposite: the script being flipped far beyond the stars. Well, son of a bitch! <laughs> I mean, it's it's the complete exact opposite of what. Yeah. We've been just discussing one of the most powerful episodes of Star Trek ever made. Always yeah. ranked up towards the top of any Star Trek list. It's always definitely at the top of a Deep Space Nine list right up there with like in the pale moonlight and vision and um, uh, uh, vis the visitor mm -hmm. right up there is the like visitor, yeah. three of the best, you know, episodes. And, and of course, then you have which then, of course. You know, you start the episode almost leaves you wondering, what is reality? Like when Cisco's standing looking out the window and he sees his reflection, but it's Benny Russell. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's, you know, then later on, they kind of turn it into like it's the Pow race who are sending him these false visions. Got right. it. Great. But still, that one episode, which was so heartbreaking and so rough. Aside I rewatched it. Aside recently. from the wonderful, uh, visages of people outside of their costume you're getting to see what you know armin shimmerlin and rene abergenois and michael dorn, michael dorn acts human yeah he smiles he jokes <laughs> like, he's flirting with penny johnson 
Yeah. And uh, Mark Alamo and uh, Jeffrey Coombs and uh, J.G. Hertzler, all out of co- all out of makeup, all out of costume, regular people doing regular jobs in a really shitty situation. Yep. It was it was like the it was the complete mirror opposite of what we are talking about. And like I was saying, uh, I I watched it recently. And after all these years, I saw it when it first aired, and I'm watching it a year or so ago. And even this second time of watching it, or the last time I watched it, I'm seriously sitting here going, son of a bitch, maybe it is all just a dream, and he is really this guy in 1940s Brooklyn. It's like, tough, isn't I, it? it really made me think, like, <laughs> it was it's... that compelling, it was that, it was that. Powerful. It was one of those great episodes of TV or a movie that make you think. It's also, yeah. I believe, the only episode of uh, Star Trek that dropped the N word. So, oh, did they did they say the N word in that episode? Jake, I mean, it would Jake's counterpart, basically the street smart kid, before he ends up getting murdered by the cops, is basically yep. saying they only see us as. Oh, yeah. So he he drops that. It's it is fitting. You know, it's it interesting because that was at a time where that word was said more on TV, on network TV. And now they bleep it out, even in context with the Norman Lear recreation. You know what I mean? Like blazing saddles. Well, no, hey, no, this no. Man like, is a ding. Well, he said the sheriff is near. Yeah, well, yeah, actually, absolutely. Um, hey, did you know that this man is a... Sorry, wrong guy. Did you oh know that God. this man is a... <laughs> oh, careful, careful. Hey, the, the point of that episode, of that movie, was basically to flip racism on its head. I and know, I know. The smartest, most capable individual in the entire movie is the black sheriff, is Bart. And all right. the white people are stupid rednecks. <laughs> I mean, really, ninety percent of them. I mean, the governor is is a cross-eyed moron. You know, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I mean, I don't know you've all never the characters. No, I know it's on HBO Max. I've got to see it. It is, it is a seminal comedy. It's a. They freely say probably couldn't be made today, but it has been preserved, um, in the National Archives for yeah. You know, contributing to film and everything. It, as it, it is absolutely one of the funniest movies I have ever seen to this day. It is ridiculous. It's classic. And the point is basically the hero is a black sheriff, and he's the smart guy. Everybody else is the idiot. In the late 1800s. Oh, yeah. It was great. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And the more they do modern, more and more modern westerns are actually showing just how many cowboys even were black. Which there were a lot. Right. Oh yeah, very uh, quite a lot after, particularly after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking. I'm. I've heard that there's been some rumors that there's somebody's going to do like a Bass Reeves movie. That'd be awesome. Bass Reeves is fucking awesome. <laughs> he, he's like this legendary figure. He's this uh, black marshal who was like the, one of the best trackers and lawmen in the West. 
<laughs> Mike was involved in like I... a dozens of shootouts and was like unscathed. Used Trying. working mostly in like Indian territory or AKA Oklahoma. Yeah. So highly well, recommend it. I, well, I, I will. I will. I will definitely watch it. So, I mean, well, yes, definitely me. watch the Blazing Saddles. I hope that they do make a movie about Bass Reeves. I'd love to see it. But yes, going back yes. to Far Beyond the Stars, the inverse of what we've been talking about. But, you know, to kind of going from the fantastical down to like grounded reality. You know, it's it's a fascinating look into. Well, what Star Trek does, the human condition, right? Right. Well, I mean, yeah, there's that's... many episodes that do homages to Star Trek and Star Wars on TV all the time. In Big Bang Theory, that was half the point of the show, right? Right. Um, was all of that. Then you have, like, Community did a bunch of stuff. And Family Guy did its Star Wars episode. And, you know, Phineas and Ferb does their Star Wars episode. You know, uh, the, everybody does their... The, the Futurama does the Star Trek episode. I mean... Yeah. But I wanted, I wanted to bring up Community, but because I, I quote, this is the darkest timeline all the time. But it never really, it was fantastical, but it wasn't fantasy, and it wasn't, it didn't really, it wasn't technically sci-fi because mm -hmm. it was all uh, conjecture stuff. Right, of course. Of you course. know, so, so but it was, it was intelligent beyond all recognition. So. <laughs> But still grounded in a reality, mm -hmm. so I couldn't. I couldn't think of one. I, I couldn't, in good conscience, bring that up. No, um, no. I mean, I think I'm barely skating by with my castle reference. Um, yeah, you are, but <laughs> but it's a good homage to to. Well, not only that, but you know, I mean, somebody was trying to actively actively develop. It's like all right. these people who are creating their working lightsabers. Right, you know, which are basically like blow Death torches sticks. on steroids and shit like that. But still, <laughs> so dangerous. Right, but but some but still, these are things that maybe just a little bit out of reach of modern day science. Maybe don't know, but still, yeah, you know, it added just that much. That it did. one weapon. That's why. I, that's why I allow it. Yes. Plus, it was so. directed by Jonathan Frakes. Well, yeah, we got to do that, too. So. Boom. That's all I've got. Do you have anything else to add well, on this subject? On this subject, no. But I do want to bring us around to a couple of items while we have a few minutes. Okay? So. Okay. Star Trek Picard. I know that you are hurting. I don't know how far into this season you've gotten. It's been entertaining, but they dropped a big bomb of news on us this week. Yes. With a little teaser. Well, we, we didn't we talk about this in the last episode with the TNG crew? No, or, we did. Or, it was, yeah, we did. We texted about it because it only dropped no. a couple. We talked about it in the last episode. Did I promise we? you we did. 
I, I, I don't have the tape ready to go back to it. So it was a right. very it was a very long day for me. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I know you're hurting. But when did you see the teaser? I didn't see the teaser. I read what you sent me. Um, and that's all, that's all I could go, that's if, all I could go into. If you it. watch the teaser, it's like a minute long, but every one of the actors has a line that's being said over it. And you can tell, I mean, that it, it's not, it's, it's new recordings and it's sorry, but just hearing Michael Dorn's baritone as Worf hearing Jordy, you know, hearing these voices, it just gave me that peak of nostalgia. I mean, I look forward to it. I mean, that on top of all the great new trailers of Strange New Worlds, Strange New Worlds looks so good. It looks pretty. Um, honestly, I, I, I just, I can't. I can't in good conscience like talk honestly about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. It looks you. pretty. I just I just they give expectations and then they take it all away. Look. And I can't I, Do I can't you agree that handle you, it. did you enjoy Anson Mount as Christopher Pike? He was the only thing enjoyable about season two. The only did, thing. Did you enjoy Ethan Peck at all as young Spock? No. I found what him about, insufferable. What about Rebecca Romaine as number one? I found her to be a, a an interesting throw aside. Well, now she's going to be a main character. Right. Me hopes for good things. <laughs> I, I, look, I bro, did find... Look, look, just listen to me on this one, man. I spent like a month in the ICU with a near-fatal illness. I have been shot at, blown up. I'm trying to break free of pessimism in my life. I need this. So, <laughs> I mean, I need to be optimistic. Otherwise, I can be as gruntled, disgruntled, as salty, as whatever as possible. Uh, I am again... trying to be optimistic about this. Has Star Trek Picard season two knocked it out of the park for me? No. Has there been some really great scenes and stuff I've enjoyed? Yes. So far, yes. Do I so still far have... the only compelling thing about that I really enjoyed? I'm okay. Let me take it back. The only compelling. I'm taking back the only compelling thing. What I really enjoyed about Picard so far in season two was literally Agnes and the Borg Queen. Oh, did you That's see tonight's episode? Negative. It's getting it's getting crazier with those two. I bet it is. Well, she's now in Agnes's head, and <laughs> listen, I get it. I understand your need for this, and I I I need it too. I need this optimism, and I, I open, want it. Open your heart, my friend. I am not in any way trying. I don't want to shit on something that you enjoy. I don't. Well, I've got a huge I, stack of toilet paper here because I need it. <laughs> like, because <laughs> I don't want to be an asshole about it. And I, because uh, if you enjoy it, I want Swing you to enjoy miss. it. I want you to have. I want you to have that fulfillment. It's just, 
I'm not getting that fulfillment myself. And I, but I don't want you, I don't want to drag you into the mud by it, which is exactly what you appealed to me about just now. Well, something that's always helped me is a very satisfying rage dump. Just go ahead. (laughs) Let it go. All right. Reset and try again. Oh my God. We're going to end on rage dump, aren't we? (laughs) That's it, folks. We're ending on rage dump. So <laughs> that what? sounds like the ultimate end. Oh, I think you've got to at least <laughs> look, look, look at this. The first week of May, Music this is play. what you're getting. First week of May, this is what you're getting. Strange New Worlds. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. There is light at the end of the tunnel, my friend. Between one of those, you have to find some enjoyment. Otherwise, I think I might need a new partner for this podcast. (laughs) You might. (laughs) You're going to fire me. (laughs) You'll be demoted to P.U. McKay. Oh, my God. Come on, man. We're one month away from, like, nerdgasm, okay? I mean, really. Bring a towel. I mean, they, I swear Paramount was designed to drop Strange New Worlds on May. It was originally Obi-Wan Kenobi was like supposed to be like on May the 4th, right? Now they're dropping it, Strange New Worlds on like Revenge of the 5th. I mean, come on, man. It's, it had to have been marketing. They're like, oh, well, we, they're dropping new Star Wars. Let's drop new Star Trek head to head. Head to head. And then Marvel's like, fuck you both. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm dropping. I'm dropping Ms. Marvel and and Obi Wan Kenobi on the same week. Ms. Marvel's being dropped that week too. Yeah, Wednesday, Fuck. and then Kenobi's on Friday. Dude, I mean, we have no excuse to not be pumped for something. Oh, I'm pumped for for Kenobi and and Doctor Strange. Um, look. I'm You're I'm interested in Ms. Marvel. That Christopher Pike in the Star Trek Mirror Universe of Madness will help. There's going to be something good Trek wise. Otherwise, and, and you're when that joining happens, the great toxic fandom. It, Believe me, <laughs> I am still taking Picard over Discovery. Okay. I am very much looking forward to Lower Decks coming up in season three, which, by the way, I found out. Lower Decks has been nominated for a Hugo Award. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people like it. I enjoyed Lower Decks because it was the most Star Trek of all the shows. Worf is coming back. Yeah. Worf. Yeah. Jordy. I, I gotta be cautious on this, man. I gotta be cautious. Okay. I know, I know. I I would love to share the same optimism with you, and I I I I love seeing you this happy. Trust okay, me. So here's something that I want you to ponder. Okay, just put this vision in your mind. Okay, Obi Wan Kenobi. The, what takes him off world is to rescue a Jedi. Turns out it's a Jedi historian. He finds him upon the wreckage of an old Jedi temple. And he finds this man sitting there reading in a brown robe. 
reading to a group of natives of this planet. He puts down his pad and he goes, but you don't have to take my word for it. God damn it. <laughs> and it's LeVar Burton as a Jedi archivist or something. Paramount would never allow that to happen. Oh, God. Come on, man. Put Paramount would never allow on. They would never allow it. They would sue. They would sue, or PBS would sue, or something, because... Because, <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was good. That was a nice, that was a nice draw-out reveal. Nice. All I've got to say is... You've got to have faith of the heart. <laughs> On that note, everyone, I think it, I think I think that's a lot better having faith of the heart rather than having a rage dump. <laughs> it's been a long road. Getting it has been a long road. Maybe you can have both. So <laughs> on that note, everyone. It's been a pleasure. See us at at those sci-fi guys on Twitter, at those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. You guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. And for my very sad and lonely Star Trek fan, come with me upon the high ground, my friend. <laughs> you can see Ryza from here. Oh. Uh. That'd be nice, Ryza. Gotta beam him out of here. Okay, though. All right, folks. We'll see you on the high ground. <laughs> Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information. <laughs>